0: done all this for them, and it wasn't because they are special, just, I just wanted to do this for these people because I just want to love them, and then they do the most horrendous thing in God, and yet his love is steadfast, his love endures, he still loves them, and he's going to start all over again, let's do this again, and he does it over and over and over again, that's God's love. So when we look at this, we think, how, how does this help us out um, today? What does this mean for us today? We don't live in in Old Testament times. But I love the fact that this statement by God brought Moses to his knees. Again, context is where let's just read the next verse. Right after 34, 6, and 7. When God proclaimed who he was. Verse 8, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. There's judgment and love, they go together. Justice is important, but so is love. And if you have justice without love or justice without forgiveness, it's just destructive. And the people of God would not have survived another day if it was only up to justice or only up to the judgment of God. But love and judgment, they do go together. It's, it's like a marriage, it wouldn't last like a marriage. Um, I did not see this movie. It's on Netflix. It's called The Marriage Story. So I'm not recommending it uh, because I've never seen it. But I heard people talk about it, and so that it, it reminded me of this, because apparently in this um, this show, The Marriage Story, there are there's a, a couple and they get divorced, and then they try to be friends, and which is a very common. Happening, right? I I think if you've seen it, maybe I think that's what happens. And and I think the story seems to be about, uh, you know, how do you live now? You know, like nicely with each other, and you know, we're just going separate ways. And I think there's children involved, and and just how do we remain friends? And so the the person who did see this um, show mentioned to me like this is, this is just so typical of like all marriages. Like even even this person's marriage, like I have the same issues, I have the same same hang-ups and same things, but it doesn't cause me to divorce. It doesn't cause me to leave or to to separate because, but if it's just about justice, I mean, none of our marriages would last. If it's just about, you know, being faithful to the covenants that you made to each other, if, if that's all we want, none of us would still be married today, those of you who are married. Love and justice go together. You need to have both. And so this is, it's kind of like a divorce here before we, we read, but it's done. It's over. You guys are unfaithful, just like, you know, an unfaithful spouse. Like, you, it's, it's over. You're just reaping what you sow. You know, you made your bed, lie in it. This is just what happens. Unfaithfulness results in destroy, so it's done. But God, his love never ceases, like he can't stop loving. And so, the relationship continues, right to this very day, and it gets better and better. Wouldn't that, you understand how that works? We can't have justice without love, and when we do, it's awful. Love and forgiveness, they go to love and justice, they they go together, especially here in the very character of who God is. We've come to the point in our society where, we, we we can't be critical of of anyone like it's, that's not loving. How dare we say anything, you know, about someone else's choices or whatever? That that means you don't love. That's how we define love today. Love has not always been defined that way throughout the centuries, but love in the Bible is defined differently, and that's why it's hard for us because we're drinking the Kool Aid every day, right, of of our culture. And so. Kind of what we do on Sundays is like, realign ourselves. We, oh yeah, I forgot about this. And so, you know, I've been bombarded with so much media and values of our culture. I think we realign ourselves. We stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Now I understand better. And it's so much greater. So stop drinking the Kool-Aid. But as we go through, there's a whole bunch of Bible passages we're gonna look at in the next several weeks. And it's going to realign ourselves with love in the Bible. So, so Moses just like, this is amazing. Like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This is amazing. And Moses just bowed down and worshiped him. And that brings us to worship. Man, God, this is a great marriage. We're in. I know it's not a marriage of equals. And you have every right to stop this relationship. But you don't. Because you forgive. And you're faithful. And you're loving. And this is great. Also, we think that love and judgment don't go together. And um, it's very persuasive. And as the things that are most persuasive are often the things that are like partly true. Right? There's half-truths. Like, yeah, that's right. But just like Exodus chapter... Th- you can change the slide and just put it back to whatever. Thanks, Lori. My thing's not working. Just like Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it's just that half the truth. We love the first half, but we need to include verse 7 as well. And so it sounds convincing that love and judgment do not coexist. It sounds convincing that you, you can't judge someone and still be loving to them. It's, it is convincing, except it's, it's not the full truth. God's judgment is actually inseparable from his love. And we're talking about God's love. First of all, As we can see in this story, judgment is not his preferred course of action. It's not his first, he's slow to anger. Yes, God gets angry, but that's not his first thing. He doesn't go there, for like some of us. That's my first reaction. His first course of action is part of, he's slow to anger. It's not what he would prefer to do first. But also, God wouldn't be loving if he were not also a judge. It just doesn't work, let me explain um, how that works. There's a theologian who, um, he's still writing and he's alive today, but he grew up in a country um, that does not exist anymore. And he grew up as a minority in that country, he's living in the United States now. But as he looks back at his, at his life, he has come to accept that wrath is part of who God is, that God, God is a judge. And I'll just use his words. He says this. He says, I used to think that wrath was unworthy of God. Like, isn't God love? Shouldn't divine love be beyond wrath? God is love. And God loves every person and every creature. But that's exactly why God is wrathful against some of them. He says, my last resistance to the idea of God's wrath was casualty of the war in the former Yugoslavia, the region from where I come. According to some estimates, 200,000 people were killed and over three million people displaced. My villages and cities were destroyed. My people were shelled day in and day out. Some of them were brutalized beyond imagination and I could not imagine God not being angry. Or he says, think of Rwanda. And uh, I remember Rwanda. Um, When I was a teenager, I was sponsoring a child, I think, with with Compassion, Canada, and this child was from Rwanda. And then one day, they sent me a letter that said, we don't know uh, where your child is anymore, so we can't keep sponsoring him. But if you want to, you know, we'll we'll find someone else. But it just, overnight, just gone. And I don't know if you remember Rwanda, but it was atrocious. Um, In 100 days, 800,000 people were killed. And this is not with machine guns or sniper rifles, it was like with machetes and just knives. By hand, face to face, 800,000 people in 100 days. One of our our, uh, citizens, Romeo Dallaire, was in charge of the United Nations peacekeeping at that time. He suffered PTSD for so many years, and he's written books. One is called Shake Hands with the Devil because he met the person who was in charge of all this, this genocide, and it was just awful. And so this theologian brings this up. He says, Where well, 800,000 people were hacked to death in 100 days. He says, Though I used to complain about the indecency of God's wrath, I came to think that I would have to rebel against a God who wasn't wrathful at the sight of the world's evil. Here are people who God loves, and they're killing people who, who God loves. It's like. When you love someone, you don't want harm to get, it does, I hear you, you get angry when people do things, you know, people you love. God does too, but God loves both sides and that just makes him angry. This, that evil incites his, his wrath. And so he says, I used to complain about the indecency of God's wrath and I wanted to rebel against the God, but God isn't wrathful in spite of being love. You see, God is wrathful because God is love. And so in the Bible, and for God, love and judgment do mix, and they do go together. God is both. And there's one more thing that I wanted to bring your attention uh, from here. There's a fourth one that you guys will do in your life groups, um, but uh, the, this, this third one. In chapter 32, when Moses says, you know, let me. I'm going to go talk to God for you, you've done an awful thing, uh, you, this, this, will be, this sin is just huge, let me see what I can do for you, I'm gonna go talk to God." And this is Moses, okay, he was known as, as a friend of God, someone who probably more than any other human being has had this close relationship with like face to face, like he, he talked with God, God gave him this revelation of who he is. And so Moses offered himself as atonement, he said, you know, take my place, Verses, chapter 32, verse 30 to 33. Moses went back to the Lord and said, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold, but now, he says, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Like, that sounds pretty, like, eternal, right? Like, blot me out for their sake. And the Lord replied to Moses, no. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of out of my book. Not you. Moses offered himself in place of the people, but God would not accept it. No, you didn't do anything wrong that they did, so they're the ones uh, who are to be punished. And then shortly after this, as we keep reading the story, we see this: the sacrificial system is like. I mean, how can sins be forgiven? Like, how does that even work? What the people have done against God in this you know, marriage-type relationship, is, is there room for how? And so God instituted this whole sacrificial system, which doesn't exist today, but to, to foreshadow true forgiveness, which only comes through Jesus. It's all foreshadowing. Like Moses, right? He can't take our spot. No one can, but Jesus can and I know there's some Bible quizzes here. Hebrews chapter three, verse three. I'm not gonna put you on the spot because some of you don't learn references. You're not a reference quizzer, that's fine. But you'll, you'll, you'll remember this. Hebrews chapter three, verse three. What does it say about Jesus and Moses? He says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Or Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I don't know if that's a 150 verse or whatever, but it says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, talking about Jesus. This is all foreshadowing Jesus. Moses was not able to do this, but God's own son, the son who God said, the father said, I'm well pleased, is able to do that, to be the sacrifice, the one sacrifice that makes atonement for sin. And so for us today, we, we, we don't put ourselves back in, in the situation of the Israelites and, oh no, what's God going to do? And, we're looking back, right? We interpret the Old Testament through Jesus and we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to, be, to worry because it's already been taken care of through Jesus Christ and so we don't have to uh, shy away from confessing to God something he already knows. He's, he loves to forgive and he's slow to become angry. Do you please remember that? I mean, maybe your parents aren't or your brother, you know, whatever. Maybe they aren't slow to become angry but God is. And he won't go there first, so just we can have this assurance and this confidence to just go to him, let him. It's been taken care of, and this is all foreshadowed in this story. And so I don't know if you have ever entered into that kind of relationship with God through Jesus, but it's wonderful. God's love never stops; it goes on forever because He can't stop loving. It's who He is and we may be told that therefore there's no judgment therefore there's no punishment because that doesn't jive with our sense of love but we see in the scripture it does go together because it would be awful if God just let people do whatever they want and killing people like no there people will be judged for what they do but God is loving and will love to forgive through Jesus Christ there's one more thing I'd love you to look at from this, But you, and if you're not in a life group, the questions are there. Grab a buddy, grab someone, a coffee partner, and go to Tim Hortons and read some, through some of these things because this is such a rich passage. There's more that we can look at. God is love, but what does that mean? We looked at just a little bit today, in the next several weeks, I want you to be filled with God's love. I want to be filled with God's love, not just in my head, but in my experience. So I hope over the next few weeks, and even months, as we look at scripture, that talk about the love of God, that we are filled with the love of God, and that just flows over to everyone else. Let me pray for you and then we'll sing one more song. God help us to align ourselves with your purposes Help us to submit to your lordship. Help us to see where we are thinking is off. Help us to see where our behavior is off because these things only lead to destruction. And you want what's best for us. You want us to have a wonderful life. So realign ourselves. If it starts with our thinking, then fine. If it starts with our emotions, it's fine. But please bring us more in line with your love. Let us accept you for who you are because you are amazing. You are the one who saved us and you deserve all of our worship. Help us. Pray in Jesus' name.